Welcome back to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies presented to you by Manscaped and brought to you by the ONTAP Sportsnet. If you're looking for the best manscaping products on the planet, go to manscaped.com and browse their awesome selection. The Lawnmower 3.0 brings you 7,000 RPMs of skin safe technology so you don't nick, cut, or scrape those sensitive areas. Want to keep your boys fresh all day? No problem. Go and pick up the ball toner and ball deodorant so you're fresh all day long. Go to manscaped.com and use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping on all your manscaping needs. Welcome back to Huskies on Tap. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Ethan Wiles. And today's kind of a free-flowing episode. Uh, We took the week off, obviously, at the end of the semester and just with everything going on with the holidays. Didn't really feel uh, the need to put an episode out last week. There wasn't really anything going on. There was only one NIU basketball game. We're currently tuned in right now to the basketball game where NIU is down 63-46 to against Toledo. They were able to get a win against Chicago State out there on Friday by 10 points. First win of the season. But before we get into too much of what we're going to cover for today, let me check in with my co-host Ethan Wiles and then we'll get going for this afternoon. Yeah, it's good to be back. Obviously, we're talking on winter break now, so we're not worried about school anymore, which is nice for a couple of weeks. Obviously, it's Christmas week as well. So happy holidays to everybody out there listening. And uh, yeah, not a great start to the game for NIU with uh, catching up, though, it seems like they've been able to turn it on in the second half a little bit uh, against Toledo today. But I, I think they said it best on the broadcast. It's They're still trying to fill that void of, of Eugene German from last season, and it's hard to do that. And you're you're still trying to find ways to score the basketball. And, and I think you tweeted it out earlier in the first half as well. You know, this team just needs to grow and mold, and, and they'll be a good basketball team. Yeah, and honestly, we'll we'll hop into the basketball team right now and get it, you know, get it out the way. But the way they started today, I mean, you got to look at the way you start the game. So college basketball, I know we're not college basketball experts by any stretch of the imagination. But one thing that I've gathered just from watching college basketball over the years is it's so streaky. Like NIU had a 7-0 run at one point. Uh, Toledo started the game on a 20-4 run. And NIU has been playing very scrappy defense for a vast majority of this game. Like the very beginning of the game, they weren't able to get, you know, close shots at the bucket. They were, you know, shooting from the outside. They weren't getting great looks. And Toledo was hitting threes and making, you know, damn near every shot they were taking. I think, you know, 10 minutes into the game, they were shooting 62%. So, you know, when you're not making your shots... And they're making damn near everything. Obviously, the score is going to go up. Once no- once Northern started making shots, they, you know, started to get that, that lead kind of cut in half. And it was really in part due to their defense. Their defense really started to get a lot of – they were getting a lot of steals, and they were getting points in transition, which – 
are the easiest points that you can get. If you can get a free, you know, a free run at the basket and a, and a free layup, why not take it? They've been able to get to the line, and I've seen some good things so far uh, today out of Trenton Hankerson and, and Caleb Thornton as well. So, so again, I mean, we've been <laughs> the voice of reason, the voice of positive positivity here uh, for NIU sports, but you know, it's it's hard to uh, sugarcoat a 17 point deficit. I mean, obviously we're we're kind of doing it a little bit different. We're going live. Because uh, I got to go to work here in a little bit, but it's frustrating to see, and and especially you know trying to get that first MAC victory, and we are you know the margin is just very very big right now. Taking a look at the box score here, I'm looking at it with still just under eight minutes to go in the game, and obviously anytime you're shooting one for thirteen from three pointers, you know you're not going to be successful that way. So you got to fix that right away. Obviously the team's only shooting thirty eight percent from the field right now, so. A uh, tough first half for the Huskies. They've made it close. They're only out being outscored in the second half by three points. So obviously we've. Uh, it seems like the opposite. NIU basketball is able to uh, turn it up in the second half, and NIU football is able to to start it off well. So hopefully they're able to figure out their uh, their first and second half differences. But like you said, there's a lot of positivities from this team as well. Tyler Cochran's already had nine rebounds today. He's gotten a lot of praise from the broadcast team as well. So. I think that there's a lot of a lot of upside to this basketball team. Hankerson's shooting well today. Um, as just looking across the board, it doesn't. It, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like this team is what the record reflects. Yeah, and they're still really trying to find that identity. But yeah, Tyler Cochran. They were talking about him, and on the offensive glass, he is just ferocious. Like he doesn't give up on any play. He has really like a Kobe type mentality where he just, you know, he's a killer out there. So he is one of my favorite players on this roster. And Darius Bean has been playing a pretty good game as well. And then obviously Trenton Hankerson, he's really been been finding a way to make those long shots, threes and those mid-range jumpers, and he's knocking them down at a really good clip this season. I have, I guess I kind of said it off air when we were talking. I don't know if it's more of like, the way they really want to play, but I feel like the the approach that Monty has where we're really taking the air out of the ball and not getting a shot up until there's like 10, 12, 10 seconds left on the shot clock. I feel like you should be more aggressive. I know you want to try and find the best shot, but Toledo has owned the tempo in this game from the very first tip. I think it goes back to finding their identity on offense. I mean, you, like we, like we said in the beginning, you're, you're, finding a guy to replace a Eugene German player who was the focal point of the offense, the key go-to guy. I mean, how many games did we see last year where last possession, where it came down to the last possession, he had the ball in his hand. So I think you're really just trying to find, like you said, the right shot, but at the same time, you don't have that player like Eugene German. I think that that really is what we as fans have to adapt to as well because it is a completely different basketball team from this three-level scoring aspect. You're you're trying to get the ball inside more. You know, obviously, one for I believe 13 from three. Obviously, that lack of success. You're not trying to shoot as many threes, but Toledo's out here shooting three 25 times. I think that that really shows, and I think that, like I said, they're trying to find their identity, and you're trying to fill a guy who. You really could ask for so much every basketball game. Yeah, I mean, I was on, like, I went on a bender last night just listening to old press conferences, just kind of reflecting on this year and everything that we've kind of gotten the chance to do here at the school uh, with the athletic programs. And I went back and listened to the first press conference from 
NIU basketball with Coach uh, Montgomery. And one of the you know points that he stressed from the very beginning is you know we want to be able to push the ball inside out. We want to be able to you know get good looks inside, and if we don't have the good look inside, we can kick it out. And there's a guy like Trenton Hankerson there to hit the shot, or a guy like Darius Bean or Caleb Thornton to hit that shot. So it's one thing that. You know, as the season progresses and as this team finds their identity and finds their rhythm for this season, you can expect them to start being a little bit more competitive in games. And and one thing that we really have to eliminate is these long scoring droughts. I mean, even at the beginning of this half, the first five or so minutes, it seemed like we were getting a good enough amount of stops to start chipping away at that lead, but they couldn't get anything on the other end. So, you know, you can only get so many stops until Toledo is eventually going to score another bucket and extend the lead. Yeah, I believe when I know we've been watching the game separately, but at one point you came in, it was 20 to four, like 100 percent. You're not going to win a basketball game down by 16 points and I think when I had checked ESPN the first time and it was eight nothing four minutes into the game Toledo's win probability was at 95 percent so even ESPN knows that a this team is struggling early and it would take a lot for them to come from behind at that point and even down eight you know I mean you got to find a way to come back you got to make some defensive stops and find a way to get the ball in the hoop Yeah, and it all comes down to execution. I mean, uh, Toledo has been able to hit their shots. They've been able to, you know, have that rhythm and and get things moving. And and they are, you know, they are a little bit further along on their season. They are a team that knows their identity. And you can kind of expect to be in that in that tournament at the end of the year for the MAC conference. But it's it's frustrating to see right now uh, just kind of the state of where, you know, the football team went this season. I know the 0-6 record is not a true testament to where the growth and development of that team, but obviously the fans want to see wins. We want to see wins. And with this basketball team, with the limited conference tournament, it, it's a it's a different format. It's different. Not everybody goes to the conference tournament. You have to actually earn your way into the tournament this year. And as the score sits right now, it's a 19-point deficit with six minutes left. I mean, I don't really see a scenario that NIU comes back and wins this game, but they got to find a way before they get, you know, cause it's really just going to be conference play from here on out to find that identity. And cause they have it defensively, you know, they're still, they're packing Toledo's shit to the moon right now. They're sending it to the fifth row. They're great on defense and they're great in transition. They just need to find a way to be able to play a full 40 minutes of basketball. And I don't even think that this is the same team that we saw in opening night against UIC. I mean, they, they obviously blew a lead. They blew the game, and they ended up losing a four-point game. But I really thought that walking out of that arena, that this team would rebound and come back strong and, and really be a better basketball team. So I think that there's a lot of growth that this team isn't seeing. Obviously, this with a one-in-five record, you know, it's a lot of ESPN Plus and a lot of you know streaming, subscribing websites that you're going to have to watch this team on. But you know, I think that we've seen this team, and we can see that they're like the football team is a lot of growth and it's just about finding the right guys and finding, you know, that, that right rhythm, like you talked about. And I a hundred percent agree with you that college basketball so far this year and college basketball in general is just so streaky. And I think going back to, like I said, in the first four minutes down eight, I mean, you see, yeah, I think you really tell what kind of basketball game it's going to be based on that first four minutes. It's either going to be, you know, the team goes eight, nothing, 10, nothing, whatever or it's a eight to eight first time out. You know what I mean? So I think 
you're kind of getting your sense there. But like I said, I think it's it's been a, a rough stretch. Obviously, they went against a very, very good Iowa team. They took Ball State to overtime and then some tough losses to SIU, Edwardsville, and Pittsburgh along the way. But it's just about growing. It's a growing year for every program. It's a growing year for everybody, I think. Yeah, growth is the name of the game. And, you know, they're in a transitional phase where, like you said, you know, losing Eugene German. And I know I tweeted about it, but I just feel like as an ESPN broadcaster, you got to have a little bit more material than just beating that drum for the whole first half. And one thing I want to do while we're on break is I want to find out who I need to talk to to apply at ESPN Plus to cover some of these games because the broadcasting crews that we've had for football and basketball and the sideline reporters have been atrocious, okay? Call spade a spade. I went to school for this. You went to school for this. There's got to be a way that we can find an avenue to get ourselves on one of these ESPN Plus broadcasts because the people that they're sending out for these games are amateur. And it's a tough look for ESPN. And I'm usually not one to go at a broadcaster or a commentator because we're in the same field. But when I'm sitting here and you're sitting here and we're grinding for the free, for the Manscaped ads – and we see people that are just unqualified or not doing the job the way they should be or asking questions that are literally elementary level that we hear better questions in our local press conferences. It makes you question what's going on in the industry. Well, I think that comes with the territory. Like you said, ESPN plus and the industry kind of with the tough year. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think that there's there's not a lot of rhythm. There's not a lot of flow with the broadcast either. And luckily for our sake, we didn't have to see half of the uh, the broadcasts from the ESPN angle from the football side of it. But obviously looking at this Mac basketball schedule, there's going to be a lot of ESPN broadcasts for us. So definitely will be something to get used to. I mean, we saw it with the last football game of the season and our god-awful scoreboard. I almost want to hot mic one of these games. I want to I see if we that. can talk to hot I mic said, and, and hot I mic I said one. that. We should have done that for the last home game. Next game that we go to together, I'm honestly down to do it because it's frustrating, dude. I ah, I forgot who it was. I think it was uh, Miss Ferenc. She said on Twitter, she said, we got to start winning games so we can get off ESPN3. I, I like spit my water out when I saw that. I was like, holy shit, from the top rope, Miss Ferenc. Hey, when, when you got the parents calling them out, you know it's legit. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, um... We're not going to get too negative. I mean, it is what it is. Trent Hakerson just got a nice little and one, nice little effort play here. I like the live aspect of it. We haven't live podcasted since the beginning of quarantine when sports ended the first time. So it's fun. I think uh, much more positive this time around. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're used to the no fans in the stands and we are far used to this uh, way of life at this point. But I just feel uh, we could definitely push some content out there and, and get the people uh, some hot mic going. Because when you did that at the game, you had uh, you were going little with the commentary and you got a lot of views on that i remember at the end of the first game because it wasn't televised so hey if we can find a way we find a way where there's a will there's a way and that was kind of the the theme for this niu team last season for the basketball team and and football even though they went zero and six this year i gotta go the same way on on football we got a lot of, of Huskies players in the all-MAC conversation. So let me just run through the list real quick. I got to get through the National Signing Day post because there is a bunch. But And then we're going to cover National Signing Day as well because I was able to sit in the press conference with 
Coach Hammock, and he went over. One thing I want to say real quick before I even before I get into Almac and to National Signing Day. So normal, uh, usual suspects in the press conference. You know, we got the Daily Chronicle, the Northern Star, uh, WREX, and WIFR. So most of the normal people that we had in there, and then I maybe some local guys. I don't I don't exactly remember everyone, but. Everyone kind of got their questions in about, you know, what recruits they, you know, wanted to know about. And in total, probably about seven or eight players were asked about. And Ethan, if you've been in these press conferences, sometimes they can be 15 minutes. Sometimes they can be 35 minutes. And after the last question that Coach Hammock was asked, it was probably maybe 15, 20 minutes. He took time to individually go down and talk about each player. So I thought that was a great moment. That was awesome. An individual spotlight and a shout out to each and individual or each and every player uh, that they recruited and brought in this year. But, you know, other than that, like like I said, eight all Mac players, uh, you know, and, and a couple at each level, you know, Tyrese Ritchie, no surprise. First team all Mac. That is like a given. The guy was phenomenal all year. Second team all Mac, Daniel Crawford, which. I thought if he could have got a little bit more usage, he could have possibly been boosted up to first team. Uh, Weston Kramer, defensive tackle, also earned second team honors. Special teams extraordinaire and, and, you know, up and coming wide receiver Trayvon Rudolph also earned second team honors. Jordan Gandy, DeKalb native, the cornerback, second team honors. Phenomenal season. Great tackler. Real, real aggressive at getting after the ball with the PBUs and the interceptions. And then third team. You know, Mr. NIU, Kyle Pugh. So you got to also take into effect that Braden Patton got uh, all conference honors as well. So in a season where there was no wins, there was not a lot of positives, a lot of great individual performances, and it was split pretty evenly between upperclassmen. We even had a young freshman in there. And I believe Devin Lafayette as well uh, was second, uh, either second or third team safety. So two two freshmen and then, you know, a handful of upperclassmen or three freshmen, actually, and a handful of upperclassmen getting awards this year. Yeah. And if you go by the breakdown, obviously the two MAC championship competitors, Ball State Buffalo up at the top with 13 and 12. Western Michigan up there is 12 with 12 as well. Central Michigan just ahead of us with nine. And then obviously we're sitting up there at eight. So fifth in the MAC in terms of all MAC players. And I think that really just goes to show the potential this football team has. And obviously you're getting Tyrese Ritchie back. And this is, I mean, look at the guys on this list, Jarrett Patterson, look what he's done for Buffalo this year. Uh, another guy in the receiving room, Dwayne Eskridge, another guy we've talked about all season long. And it just, it really does go to show that this team does compete with the likes of the Buffaloes and the Ball States of this conference. And they can and will next season do the same thing. I mean, we how many times do we have to talk about the Buffalo game and how many opportunities were missed there for the first win and the opportunity to go 1-0? and And same thing with Ball State. They hung with them as well. So there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of potential with this football team. And we see that with just how many young guys, like you said, as well as the old guys, are as on this all-MAC list. Yeah, and the thing is, too, is like, there's so much parody in the MAC. Buffalo ran shit all year. They killed everyone. Jared Patterson was almost receiving. I mean, I'm sure he's going to get some Heisman votes. Someone's going to vote for him. I don't think he'll win it. He definitely won't win it, but he'll get some votes. Buffalo got boat raced by Ball State. It wasn't even a game. Like, they got smoked. 
And I, I honestly, throughout the year, I didn't think Ball State was like this world beater team. Any given, I'm just going to say any given day of the week because the Mac plays whenever they want. Any given day of the week, any team can win in this conference. And you saw that in the MAC championship at the highest level. Well, I think that's the best part about MAC in two. And obviously it's not the, the Notre Dames or the Clemsons of the college football landscape. But to turn on a game on Tuesday night or turn on NIU and Ball State on a Tuesday night, I mean, people get up for that. I shouldn't say people get up for that, but people get excited for that. People want to watch MAC you know, I mean, it, it trends on Twitter every time there's a MAC conference football game. So I, I really do think that the MAC is one of the most fun conferences in college football, just because, like you said, it can change year in and year out. I mean, who's to say Buffalo and Ball State aren't in the MAC championship next year? Yeah, and, you know, it goes to show that in college football, I mean, we see it week in and week out. We saw it this week in the NFL. The Bengals won on Monday Night Football last night as 16-point underdogs against the Pittsburgh Steelers with their third-string quarterback. And the New York Jets beat the Rams, who I went on Bears on tap last week and called them the most complete team in the NFL. So, like, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in sports this year. And, you know, you just got to be able to take the positives with the negatives and one of the biggest positives and one of the biggest drums we've been beating all season is how well Coach Hammock and this staff did recruiting for the class of 2021. And I talked about it a little bit ago, uh, you know, how he was able to elaborate and explain, you know, the different players and what they bring to the table for this team. I was able to ask about, uh, you know, f- incoming freshman quarterback Ethan Hampton uh, with everything, up, you know, up in the air for the quarterback room next year, if he was going to have an opportunity to come in and compete. And he's actually going to be on campus this semester. So he'll be in spring practices. And if all goes well and he's healthy, come, you know, October or September, whenever the season starts this year, he could have an opportunity to go and win himself a starting job. Well, first of all, quality name. Second of all, I'll be the biggest fan. I think that there, there I think there's, like I said, he, the quarterback room is probably one of the most interesting and one of the most looked at stories of this NIU offseason. I mean, looking at the list here, they were able to get a lot of commits. They were able to, I mean, I think they were fourth in the MAC this year in terms of their uh, recru- their recruiting class. But yeah, I mean, I think no matter what, you're going to look at this quarterback room and take a look at what Dustin Fletcher did at the end of the year and, and what the other potential names in this room have and what they can bring to the table. And I really do think that's going to be fun to watch this quarterback competition or however Coach Hammock wants to talk about uh, the, the process of what the quarterback decision will be like. Yeah, and he also, you know, he addressed one of the things that I asked him. I think I've been on the money with my my end of the season last question the last two years. I asked him, you know, what are you going to be looking at? You know, do you have anything as far as last second recruits or anything you need to address after, you know, the last game of the season? And he talked about having to add a little bit more weight and more size. And I think they really did this in this class. You look at a guy like Drew Hoth, offensive tackle, 6'5", 305. Even, even, I said even Ethan, Ethan, even, say that 10 times in a row. Ethan Hampton, 6'3", 194. Uh, Elijah Ham, outside linebacker, 6'2", 200. Obviously, you're going to get a little bit more weight on him. Uh, Kate Haberman, someone that he talked about who was playing uh, at Westside High School in the Nebraska State title, 6'3", 
6'3", 275 at the defensive tackle position. And then the number one recruit in NIU history, someone that they flipped from an ACC school, Ontario Brown, running back, 5'11", 210. And just trying to imagine him with Harrison Way Lee in the same backfield, because you know college football is never a one-back system anymore. There's no college or NFL or high school team that's running off one workhorse back, not even Derrick Henry. Some of those other backs, like Deontay Foreman, still get carries. That's going to be a very scary backfield to go against with a running back running that offense. So I'm very excited to see our – I know we get excited to see the offensive weapons in the passing game, but we could be you know, a, a ground-and-pound team, a PTR team, as they like to say it over there at, uh, at the Chesson. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, with a guy like Coach Hammock running this offense and with him being a running back guy, I can't imagine what this offense will be like with already a talented guy like Whaley back there. Then you throw Ontario Brown in there. Yeah, that that's gonna be that's gonna be dangerous. And you talk about guys that are gonna be leading that charge, whether it be soon or you know whether it be down the road. Brandon McKinnon, six six two eighty. Like that's just that's a guy. That's a lunch pail offensive lineman. Like he's just gonna block for days. You talk about getting strength and getting getting or getting strength and getting height in that room and in that locker room. Like yeah, they did that. You nailed that a hundred percent. And I've it's going to be a group of men in that offense and defensive line for the next couple of years. Yeah. Quick side note, uh, send Ryan Rollins freshman guard on Toledo into the fucking moon. The dude was just laughing at us as the game ended. So yeah, that dude can spend an eternity in the shadow realm and I hope he never makes another shot in his career. What a fucking loser. But back to football. That was very frustrating to see. NIU final uh, 78, 55, I believe. Tough scene. Back to the positive of the football program. Um, Another huge thing, especially with Daniel Crawford, you know, his potential extra year of eligibility or him trying to make, you know, take a shot at the NFL draft or whatever he'd like to do after school. The addition of Blake Cozen, someone that is also going to be joining Ethan Hampton in enrolling this semester in spring practices. Tight end at 6'5", 240. That's some size. Love to see that. Yeah, there's a guy that I like as well out of Batavia, Trey Erweiler. I've seen him play a few times. One of my high school coaches is the wide receivers coach over there. And he's been talking about coming to NIU for about two years now. And I've been messaging uh, my coach back and forth. And, yeah, he's he's talked nothing but praise about this guy. And he's going to come in 5'9", 165. I see him really being like a, like a Cole Tucker type guy. And obviously for a guy that – didn't really have a great six games this year. I think uh, with him going back, with Cole Tucker coming back next year and a guy like Erweiler coming in, and he he should have a really special next couple of years or four years, three or four years he'll spend at NIU with being behind Cole Tucker. I think that that's going to be a great, valuable lesson for him and and really just looking forward to seeing Cole get back out on the field as well. And Coach Hammock actually did talk about Trey Erweiler. I don't know if he knows the exact same coach that you do, but he said, you know, Trey is a guy that played several different positions in high school. He played receiver, running back. He did, you know, some of the returning and played on the defensive side of the ball as well. Very smart and cerebral football player. He did talk about his size at, you know, he's listed on the official signing day list bio at 5'8", 170. He talked about that size, but he said, it's not going to matter. He said, eventually, you know, with a guy like that, 
He also mentioned about a guy like Garrett Wolf and some of the other smaller players that we've had here at NIU. So I fully trust Coach Hammock and, and Coach Sorrentino to find a way to get Trey involved in that offense. And it may not be next year. There's a lot of people ahead of him on that depth chart right now. It may not be next year, but at some point in his career, we can expect him uh, to make an impact. And then two, another wide receiver uh, from Illinois, from Lincoln Way East, Mason Pierre Antoine, another receiver that Coach Hammock talked about as having a very bright future here uh, with the Huskies. And one thing that I, I asked about, and and I think, to and I seem to find really interesting about this class is there's so much range. You got people from Texas, Kansas, Georgia, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Illinois, Iowa. They even went over the border to Canada. They got Massachusetts in there, Michigan, New Jersey, a lot of different states. And Coach Hammock said, you know, by finding guys like Miles McGee last year and Devin Lafayette, down there in Georgia, it's helped him build somewhat of a pipeline down there. And he kind of has a better idea on what areas to recruit. And then seeing a guy like Devin Lafayette come up here, play a phenomenal freshman season, get all conference honors. It makes you beg the question, why, why not me? Why can't I go to NIU and do the same thing? So I think he's got a, a little bit of a hotbed going down there in Georgia. And that's a great state to recruit. You know how college football recruiting goes. Those Southern states always produce the Georgias of the world, the Floridas, Texas. Great to have a pipeline in that state. Yeah, coming out of Georgia, two, two out of the seven defensive back recruits that Coach Hammock brought in were from the state of Georgia. So you hit, I actually was going to bring that up on the next topic as well, just how, how wide out Coach Hammock went throughout the United States to get players. And to, to break it down by position, obviously they brought in one quarterback, three running backs and receivers. Uh, four offensive and defensive linemen, three linebackers, seven defensive backs, uh, and then one special teams player. So that was something that stood out to me was you've got a, a really young defensive backfield already, and then they go out and get seven more guys. Like that's They're just loading it up, and I think it's something that we've talked about from the beginning of the year is just how much depth this team has, and Coach Hammock is just the, the master of depth at this point. You know, build up build up what you've got and and really these next four years or four or more years really with the current guys are going to be fun years. See, the cool thing that I think about Hammock, and this is just me putting a tinfoil hat on, I don't see Hammock having like a dream job past this. Like this has to be his dream job. I mean, we've talked to him twice. This is a guy that bleeds red and black he went to school here he met his wife here he has so many memories here he's the head coach here as long as everything goes well and he's successful I can see coach Hammock being here for a while and like I said I mean he's been to the NFL he's coached at all these other programs he's a guy that is NIU through and through yeah I, I don't I don't see him going to anywhere bigger I mean I think obviously he wants to build this program up first and and I think that we're still about a year or two away from that. And I think just let him enjoy the, let him enjoy the success once he gets that level and let's get NIU football back on the map. You know, I mean, you and I talk about it all the time. We want to get back to having Husky stadium filled. We want to get fans back in the stands. And unfortunately the last couple of years, we haven't really seen that. Obviously last year, the weather wasn't great this year. We had a pandemic and we had cardboard fans and, you know, they survived no matter what weather, but regardless, like 
they want to get back to that point too. And I really just want to be able to come back in a few years or, or even, you know, we talked about it the other day, like we want to be able to see this team go to South Bend in a couple of years. And as, as sad as it is for us to say, and it, you know, would be kind of a, kind of a weird end of the game scenario, but we kind of want to see NIU go give Notre Dame a game, like, to go into South Bend. I want to see him beat. I want to see him beat Michigan at the Big House yet, uh, next year. That, yeah, hundred percent. Talked like, about it on one of the posts. I, I think that's a realistic yeah. thing. That that could yeah, very realistically happen. Michigan is a dumpster fire right now. Right, right, and I think that that you're obviously we we've been talking a lot about stories with Notre Dame, and that's a program win. You go into Michigan, you go into the Big House, regardless of however Michigan's program is, whatever. You go into the big house and you beat a team like Michigan, you're bringing back the days from from going to Iowa and beating them. That was a program win. And NIU hasn't had one of those in a while. And I think that that's a, a date that's circled on a lot of people's calendars for next football season. And that's a program win if you can go into, into Michigan and win that football game. Yeah. And on the topic of South Bend and Coach Hammock, if you're listening, Coach Hammy, I'm hurt, man. You wanted us. You wanted our Irish outside the top four. I'm hurt. Ethan sent me the tweet uh, this weekend. Brent McMurphy released what college coaches voted for ND outside the top five. There was Hugh Freeze in there, a couple other people, but Coach Hammock was in there. I was hurt, but at the end of the day, it's a business. Uh, you know, he's got a job to do, and objectively, he thought uh, you know Notre Dame was not part of the top four, and there was a lot of other coaches out there that thought that same mindset. Luckily for us. Uh, Although Saturday was, I'm going to say it too, Saturday, Notre, Saturday our Notre Dame loss was worse than NIU, any NIU loss this year or last year. Like, from a pain level, like, the worst loss I've seen all season in any football team that I watch. Even worse than that, Bear, that Bears-Packers game. And that game hurt my soul. It still hurts. Well, maybe one day, you know, we'll get back to a time where both of our teams can get into a conference championship game. Notre Dame's obviously not going back to the ACC the next year, but. Who knows what could happen going forward? I think you saw a lot of crazy things happen in college football this year. And like I said, who knows? 2022, 2023, you never know. Notre Dame could be in the in the ACC championship. I want to see them in the Big Ten championship, but that's probably never going to happen. We just want to see NIU get back up to Detroit, go up to Ford Field, win us a MAC championship, and maybe it all starts with a win in the big house next year. I think that would be huge, and I think that's a perfect stopping point for this episode. Disclaimer. Big, we still big, love- win, big win in the state of Detroit. Hey, yeah, big win in the state of Detroit in the state of Ann Arbor. Disclaimer, we still love you, Coach Hammy. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a bright future, and it starts, you know, with the growth and development of this 2020 NIU team that we saw through the six games of this season and this absolutely – amazing 2021 class that there are a handful of players that are going to be enrolling in classes this next semester. So the future is bright. Uh, We'll be back with more basketball coverage following the holiday, obviously with Christmas and everything going on this week. There is not another game, I believe, until January 2nd. I'm going to try and get out there to the convo uh, to just cover the game and be out there. Uh, Obviously, since we're doing the podcast right now, we weren't able to catch Coach Montgomery and the players in the post uh, post game press conference. But now that we have a little bit more time on our hands, that's something that we're going to get back into. Just kind of had to t- uh, take some uh, some personal time. We've been going at this crazy. I mean, myself, yourself, the whole ONTAP company, 
a lot of content, whether it's written or, or spoken work, and it's it's a lot to keep up with, but we definitely have had so much fun doing it, and I'd do it all again next year if I got if I had the chance to. So I'm ready. I'm ready to be sitting in a different press box than the Husky Stadium press box. I loved it, but you know, to be on the road us. again. Yes, sir. <laughs> we're already thinking about Ann Arbor. Well, yeah, I mean, like that, you you got that opportunity that was lost or just the opportunity to kind of travel and just see, you know, different stadiums. And then obviously we wanted to do like fan events and tailgates and stuff like that. So keep the Husky Classic. Forget about yes. that too. Yes, the Husky Classic. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad we didn't play BYU this year. They played tonight against UCF. That should be a good game. Oh, but God. Oh, boy. Yeah, they might, oh. they might score like 200 points in that game, dude. Zach Wilson against, uh, what's it, Dylan Gabriel? And UCF is, what, the 2017 national champs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, and Coastal got robbed. I wanted to see Coastal get into a bowl game against a Power Five. That was super stupid. I did not like that match. I mean, against Liberty, it'll be a good game, but I want to see them play against a Power Five. Hey, let's get NIU back into, uh, let's get NIU back to the Orange Bowl. Let's get them back, well, let's get them to the Orange Bowl again. Let's get them back on New Year's Day. Big New Year's Six, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And Christmas, by the time you're here in this, Christmas uh, will be probably wrapped up. But we do have a special interview episode wrapped up for you guys that will be available next week. But if you're like myself and you have not gotten your Christmas shopping done and you still need to go Christmas shopping, don't forget to check out our friends over at Manscaped. Use promo code ONTAP to get 20% off and free shipping on your order you don't even need to get the wrapping paper. Just throw it in the stocking. It's the perfect stocking stuffer. But we got nothing else for you guys. And we'll also be back with more basketball coverage. We really do appreciate you guys for tuning in this week. And go Huskies. Yeah. I got drinks on living lips. In the kitchen whipping magic. I got drinks on living lips. In the kitchen whipping magic. Bad bitch, bad habits. We got London on the track. I ain't asked now for none. I took the heart away. 12 put me over coming with the... They took my heart away, heart away, heart away, heart away, jumping in heart.